Trigger warning. Trigger warning. If you do find this not helpful at the moment, don't feel like you have There's to There's any keep... pressure to listen yeah. whatsoever. Know that Georgia and I care about you and that we love you and that we want what's best for you. Yeah. And this podcast is not aiding you in your recovery and your mental state and how your day is going. Please do not feel any pressure or need to listen to it. Yeah, just take care of yourself. Just take care of yourself. Also, Georgia and I are not professionals at all no. when it comes to like we're, We don't have degrees in this. No, we're not. We not. No, <laughs> no, we are just two girls who are recovering from eating disorders themselves, wanting to share our stories and shed some light on some topics that may be harder to talk about. There will also be many resources in our description box. So if there's any point during this episode, any point at all that you feel like that you need that little bit of extra support, no, there's no judgment. There's nothing wrong with you needing that and that feel free to use them and that we support you and that we are so proud of you. Yes. Yeah. Picture me this. I'm here. We eat the fucking food. We eat the fucking food. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to another episode of We Eat the Fucking Food. My name is Lauren. Long time no chat. I start every single episode off that way because it always is the longest time no chat. My apologies. I've been having some weird anxieties when it comes to recording the podcast recently. And I think it's mainly because I'm really out of practice when it comes to talking about these topics because I haven't been to therapy in such a long time and that sucks and I should get back and do that but I've moved states I no longer am in Wisconsin I currently live in Chicago Illinois for those of you who are new to the podcast and provider wise I just struggle with finding someone down here and I'm 100% positive I know my dad's gonna listen to this and in the morning I'll wake up with a list of therapists I can go to in Chicago because that's what my dad does um But yeah, I just need to get on that so I can do that. But I've had anxiety about recording a podcast just because, I don't know, I feel like I always sit down to record and I want to record and I get like a certain amount of the way like through it. And then all of a sudden I get this wave of anxiety and I'm like, I suck at this. I'm done. I'm done. We're going to call it quits for the day. That was good enough. Close enough. Can't do that anymore. And it makes me really disappointed and frustrated in myself because I love having the podcast. I love talking about the this topic. I love advocating for eating disorders and talk about it enough in my outside life. But I guess sitting down in this format, talking about it by myself, I struggle to feel like my thoughts are coherent and that I'm doing a good job articulating those thoughts. But who's to say that the job I'm doing is good or bad? And who's to say that what I'm saying isn't serving some sort of value to someone own journey to recovery or just life in general. So I'm going to really try to muster my way through this one and just kind of bulldoze to the end of this episode. And hopefully, if you're listening to this, it's up and I did it. So that's my goal for this podcast. So we can do it. I believe in us. Um, updates. Uh, I honestly, do, I and I did. Okay, so I recorded the beginning part of the podcast, like the end of last week. And I said, I was like, I'm not really sure what I last updated you with. I should have listened to uh, the most previous like episode of this podcast so that I could figure out like where I left off pretty much. I didn't do that. I'm sitting here again, like three days later being like, huh, well, still don't know where I left off um, with, but still living in Chicago, still working a new job as an agent assistant at a talent agency in the city. Really liking that. It's hard because I swear to God, the second that I decided to switch over to this other side of the industry, I was flooded with offers for auditions and for casting purposes for like large theaters in Chicago that I 
dreamt of working for. And I didn't think I had the talents enough to work for them. And then to be getting the offers after I could no longer accept them because of my new position, I was like, huh, well, that's a little sour in my mouth. But also it's kind of like holding the dialectics of like, I'm excited for this offer and I'm happy about it. And, but I'm also happy with this job position that I'm in right now. And I also know that the excitement for the offer is more about the idea of it rather than the actuality of it. If I were to take that offer and like do it, I think that I would find myself in a similar boat, like post. I like the security uh, that I have in this career. So I'd like to know that I would have to be constantly auditioning and find myself working in a survival job where I may not feel the same amount of fulfillment that I would if I was in this position that I'm in right now, which I'm finding a great amount of fulfillment in, specifically with being able to form relationships with my talent that I wish I would have had with my agents when I was talent has been super, super rewarding. But yeah, anywho, I'm really still liking the job. I miss performing. I have saw Chorus Line this past weekend because we had some talent in it. And I was like, if you don't know the show, it's about a journey, a dancers, a group of dancers journey to through an audition to get cast in the show. And it's all set like in one audition. And it was my first time seeing it live. And it's been one of my favorite musicals for such a long time and a dream show for me to be in. And I was actually in callbacks before I decided to make the job transition to the other side of it for this production. So it was kind of weird seeing it and did bring up some feelings and emotions of wanting to be back on stage and wanting to perform again. But then also knowing that holding theater in that capacity is something I don't know if I can do healthily right now. And that's something I'm working towards. I feel like our Dear Dead Drug Lord was, I was able to relearn my relationship with acting, that side of the industry. But with dancing and movement, I have yet to really find that new relationship with it within my recovery. So that's my goal of 2023 is to start dancing again for fun because I also think with the not added pressure of it being for my career on it, I'll be able to more easily explore that part of my life again. But yet, I kind of similar to wanting to record the podcast and continuing to like procrastinate it or like when I'm about to do it, I'm like, nope, I don't want to do it anymore. Or like, I have time for it. I could do it, but then I just never do. I have feel the same similar way about signing up for dance classes. I'm like, I just need to sign up. I need to sign up for a dance class. And then I just don't sign up for any dance classes. But like I want to. And that was my goal last year too, was to get into dancing. I kind of just let the year go by. So now it's February. I have yet to sign up for a dance class. That's my goal this week is to at least sign up for one to do next week. But I think I'm just really nervous to like get back into the swing of things. But I know that like once I do start doing it, that it'll be less of an anxiety for me. So we'll see. That's one of my goals this week. Um, I've been trying to set goals this week with my boyfriend. I have a new boyfriend. That's also as new in my life. And that kind of goes into, I'm going to talk about it later in the episode because this episode is about relationships in recovery. And I swear I could probably do multiple episodes like about this, but I just have had a recent thought about it. And it's been the thing that has impacted my recovery the most recently. That's a tangent back to me being in a new relationship. But we like to set weekly goals and held into each other so we can hold each other accountable for them, which is super cute and healthy. Um, but yes, my goals recently have been to sign up for a dance class, to drink more water. I realize I'm not good at hydrating myself. I love a LaCroix. I love a sparkling water. If you know me, Lemoncello LaCroix, I think are the best drink to ever exist. But I don't drink anything like any like tap water or like still water. Not that tap water has to be still water. But I need to hydrate myself better because I think that that would maybe help my anxieties as well. Question mark, question mark. 
Uh, I feel like I've entered a hermit stage a little bit or hermit era of my life. I was really, really, really go, go, going when I moved to the city. I was doing something like every single night and I was planning my schedule like weeks in advance. Like if you wanted to hang out with me and I if you're my friends and you're like listening to this one, of course, I love seeing you and I miss seeing you right now. And I know that I have not been the best at reaching out and planning dates to hang out and to see people. And I do miss that. And I think that that may be one of the reasons why my anxiety is kind of heightened right now because of the fact that I've kind of been more going with the flow instead of pre-planning literally my weeks, like two or three weeks in advance. So I kind of want to get back into that, but I also find the balance of knowing that like I do want to have like nights at home and I do want to have nights where I don't like plan anything and kind of the spontaneity of it. Um, but so, yeah, so recently I've been kind of just chilling. I'm in my Herman era. I really just want to be alone. I think it's also because it's cold and because of the fact I was like, go, go, going, I'm like kind of burnt out a little bit, which is a little disappointing. Again, I live in the extremes, the black and whites of life. So I'm really hoping to find a gray area even more this year. But we can hop into the highs and lows of recovery and just like that in general. Uh, the high recently would probably be, God, this sounds so simpy, but probably my new relationship. I adore my new partner. He is super, super cool. Really sweet. Great guy. Again, sounds simpy, but I do feel like I manifest him a little bit. He's like a combination. I feel like in my past relationships, and again, I'm going to talk about those more later on, but that I found values that I really liked and things that I realized I needed in relationships and that he is kind of right now a perfect like mixture of all of that and a great balance in my life. So that's been a high recently and being able to do things with a partner has been fun in the city. And I enjoy that. I'm really happy I didn't go into dating seriously right when I came to the city because I think that I needed that time to be single and have my single girl era. I was really dating so casually this fall and it was really, really fun. Maybe I'll do a whole entire episode on that too. Who's to say? But it was really, really fun and I liked it. But I like being in this relationship more because it's like I enjoy this person and I'm happy I found a person I enjoy spending this much time with because for a while too I also thought that I was never going to find another person again or that my standards were just almost like far too high and that I wasn't willing to settle for anything or any person that was not meeting those standards I was like I would rather be single because I was content being single and I think that that's awesome because I for a while I was bouncing I always felt like a need to have a partner I really was desiring and wanting to find a partner so to have been so content with being by myself and not using that external validation I think was really great for my recovery but so that's my high my low would be I've been anxious I have been so anxious I literally I, I think it's because of the time I'm getting to that point of the month not even actually my period has been weird I, because of my eating disorder and because of my AUD and just because of having an irregular period in general, I've never consistently had a period. And I know that that's like a big talk when it comes to eating disorders, like the loss of a period and like gaining it back and like that, it, like the womanhood of it. And it can be super cool and super great. But that was like never a part of my recovery or never like a goal I had within my recovery and my restoration was to get my period like back. But I think it's back, question mark, question mark. I had it last month, I think, question mark, question mark. But am I on it again right now? Question mark, question mark. I don't know, but I've been very, very anxious recently. And I think, and that's going back to what I was talking about earlier with my schedule. I think one of the reasons why I'm anxious is because of how just kind of flow with the flowy I am being right now, but it's fun and I want to be spontaneous and I want to not have to have like this immense like control over my life. But that that has piqued my anxiety per se and that lack of control and the spontaneity has reflected in my 
eating habits and eating behaviors and food choices because those have also followed the spontaneity of it all. So, and I think this summer, not summer, this fall, when I had such a rigid schedule because of our dude at Drug Lord and because of my like work and my internship and trying to hang out with friends, I was very much like all of my days, like I had said, were planned to a, uh, to the minute. And I knew exactly what I'd be eating. And I had my go-to meals. I was eating kind of the exact same thing every single day. So to now be existing in a different chapter of my life where that's no longer the way in which I'm living has brought on some new anxieties from that. But despite my anxieties and what's going well in my recovery is I do still continue to feel farther from the disorder. I mean, things do come up. I mean, this literal Sunday night, I was crying while eating Subway because I was just extremely anxious doing so, not because of Subway itself, but because I did not feel myself correctly during the day and allowed myself to get into a vulnerable spot. But I was talking to my boyfriend like about this because I was with him and I'd shared that there was this one, this is one time, this is a little story time, a little tangent segue. I'll get back to this thought, but that there's one time in my recovery in the pandemic where I would get at this extreme amount of anxiety before I was going to eat like meals. And one memory that I have that just vividly sticks out is I was eating a veggie burger from a like bar in my town. And I was really, really nervous about it because of like the heat of it. That was the thing that uh, used to trigger me was the temperature of foods. And I recall I would take a bite of it. There's one point my um, parents were in the living room like we were watching TV. It was just like casual like Thursday night. But I took a bite of it and they'd order food too from the same place. I don't know why that was an important detail to the story, but I, okay. Um, I took a bite of it and I would get this overwhelming flood of anxiety. And then I would immediately like start crying and running around my house. Like just running. I'd run a little bit, like just like to my room and stuff, but like crying and then I'd go back to the burger and I would like take another bite and then I'd run around a little bit more. And sometimes I'd like spit the food out and then just like take another bite. But like that's how I was coping with that anxiety. And that's how I was coping with that mealtime. That anxiety, this is where it's going to connect back to the story. That anxiety was the same anxiety that I was feeling on Sunday around the food and around that subway. But instead of running around the subway, I was able to sit there and use my coping skills that I learned in treatment. One of my favorite coping skills is tapping. I will just sit and tap my fingers together as like a distraction. I tried to reframe my thoughts as much as possible. I was given words of affirmation from my partner, which is super uh, helpful and kind of him to do. But I ate the sub and then I went home and I ate some more food because I was hungry because I didn't properly feel myself throughout the day. That was my fault for putting myself in that position. But the moral of that story was I now know and I'm, it's more and more evident to me than I am able to cope through my anxieties, my triggers that may come up. But yeah, so that's kind of what's been going on in my life. I want to start posting to the Instagram page more as well. I really like those like thought dumps. And I've got a bunch of new followers on it recently. So if you're one of the new followers from my Instagram page, hey, thank you so much for being here. And if you don't follow the Instagram page, here's the time for me to plug it. Paul, um, I'm plugging it. It's We Eat the uh, Fucking Food. That's just what the Instagram is. It's on my personal Instagram in the bio if you would rather just click on that. But I kind of just post more like thought dumps about updates throughout random times. If I'm going through a hiatus of posting on the podcast or if I'm going on a hiatus of posting on literally like anything, I will share some thoughts, recent thoughts that I have been having through that Instagram. Um, yeah, I think that's all I have to say before getting into the episode. So let us oh, rock and roll. 
So like I said, I am going to be talking about relationships during this podcast and specifically having an eating disorder in a relationship and specifically, specifically opening up about how my past relationships have affected my recovery. And I'll start off by prefacing this by saying I've spoken to the parties involved in my past relationships and gotten their consent to talk about them on the podcast. I'm not going to name any names. You can probably do some research if you really care that much to figure out. But um, yeah. So the thing that made me want to start talking about this and what like really brought up these feelings regarding my relationships and my recovery was a recent realization that I had when it came to the impact that my relationships have had on my recovery. And that realization was, all right, so before we get into the realization, I'm going to back up a little bit and share this little story time. Um, Story time. So the last relationship that I had in my recovery outside of the one that I'm in right now, my new one, was during the period of my recovery where I needed to do a lot of weight restoration. A majority of my weight restoration happened within the period of dating this past significant other. And this past significant other, I'm going to really like hype him up for a moment, was amazing at supporting me and amazing at making me feel so secure and stable. And I hadn't had that in a relationship within my recovery, like at all. So I really give him a lot of credit for helping me go over that last little hump of my recovery and get me to be in a place that I'm at right now. So if he is choosing to listen to this podcast, hey, hope you're doing well. Um, Really, thank you so much for everything that you gave me in my recovery. I don't think I'll ever be able to express the gratitude that I have for that relationship within my recovery and how it existed within my recovery. But so as I was saying, I did a lot of weight restoration during that relationship. And right now, the relationship that I'm in, also, I feel very secure and supported within my recovery. And I don't feel a real need or desire to use behaviors or wanting to, I don't know, fall back into those old patterns and habits or an insecurity that is triggering the urge to use those old behaviors and habits. But I'm feeling an urge to use those old behaviors and habits because the fact that the last time I felt this secure in a relationship led to me restoring weight because I needed to restore weight. And the relationship and those feelings don't directly correlate to, or they're not like the causation of me weight restoring. I was going to be weight restoring either way. But I think that existing in the body that I'm in right now, not needing to weight restore and not having that be an emphasis on my recovery and the fear of weight restoring more or gaining weight because of the security of a relationship, because I have those same feelings and a desire not to use behaviors. It's been what's been triggering my most recent desire and urges to use behavior. So that's why I want to talk, want to talk about this topic. Um, I want to make it clear. And this is like a tangent from that thought is that I know the reason why I'm feeling and wanting to use these behaviors and having these urges is because of just fat phobia. I don't want to call it internalized fat phobia anymore because I had a recent conversation with someone that I had been in treatment with this most recent time or past couple of recent times. It doesn't really matter. That detail is not important to the story, but had a conversation with them about the term internalized fat phobia and relating it to kind of like internalized homophobia or internalized like racism. Those terms are being used by people themselves who are living in those oppressed, like minorities, like people who identify not as heterosexual or people who exist in a minority 
And the same can go for saying like internalized fat phobia, how that's a term that would explain someone who does exist in a larger body and still suffers from fat, having fat phobia themselves or being fat phobic to themselves and, uh, and such. And I don't exist in a larger body and I'm fully aware that and I recognize the privilege that I have within the society by existing in a thin privileged body as well as existing in a thin privileged body in recovery which I think that that would be a great idea for a topic of an episode. I need to start writing these down because I'll go on these tangents and be like, I should talk about that. I should talk about that. But then when I sit down to record, I'm always like, I don't know what I should talk about. So mental note right there. Anywho, that was a tangent on a tangent. But I want to figure out a new term and I'm going to be working with them to figure out kind of a new term because they're working with some other people in their lives who also have a similar feeling to me because I still, I don't personally, like I'm not going to judge anybody else based on their size or shape or figure that's like a huge like very important like stance for me and what I want to articulate that when I suffer from fat phobia or have fat phobic thoughts it's not about my the way in which I view others existing in different bodies it's like a me thing but it's not internalized fat phobia because of the fat that I do not exist in a larger body so I just wanted to put that out there when it comes to talking about this because the root of this thought within my relationship and the gaining of weight is because of those thoughts that I have regarding fat phobia and anti-fatness and that that's why I'm having these thoughts it's not because of the fact that I am per se relapsing or I am per se desiring to engage in the behaviors that it's thoughts that are rooted so deeply because of the society norms and the pressures and I'm reading this new book and I think that this has been something that has helped me also kind of open my eyes to these thoughts and beliefs that I still are rooted in my subconscious, which sucks. It sucks. It's so hard to do subconscious work. I mean, I made a post on my Instagram recently how there aren't, I'm not struggling like I used to. I'm not struggling with the disorder thoughts at like the forefront of my mind and it doesn't feel like a daily battle that I'm having, but I'm still having the subconscious thoughts. I'm still having the thoughts every day, but they're just not as much like loud and screaming at me and are impacting my day to day as they had been in the past. The book that I'm reading is You Just Need to Lose the Weight and 19 Other Myths About Fat People by Aubrey Gordon. And it's so good. I'm about halfway through it. I think I'm going to take some time today actually to read it, but it's so thoughtful and thought provoking and just how terrible society is. Society sucks. So many systems within our society are just so anti-fat and it's absolutely disgusting. Like literally I was sitting in a locker room reading this book and I was like, I'm literally getting nauseated and so angered about everything the book like was saying. So that's my book recommendation of the week. Read the book. But that those feelings of that fear of weight gain that I still have and some work that I still need to do on myself were being brought up because of that feeling of security in a relationship and that association with weight gain. And then that made me think how my other relationships have impacted that and how my eating disorder has impacted my relationships. So I just kind of want to talk about dating while using behaviors, dating while in recovery, and my thoughts behind it. So let's start by talking about dating while using behaviors. And I'm going to talk about 
my past relationship when I was first initially diagnosed with an eating disorder. I know I shared my story on this podcast about the purpose that my eating disorder held and why I think that it began. But this is if this is your first time listening to it, I'm just gonna just got a little bit of a refresher. But so I got was diagnosed with anorexia when I was a sophomore in college in the winter of twenty like eighteen. So the end of twenty eighteen, beginning of twenty nineteen. And at this time, I was in a relationship with the heartthrob of my theater department, deeming in my eyes. These are all, I hope everybody, let's preface this by saying this is my perception of everything. Um, I was in a relationship with the heartthrob of my theater department. I had booked my first professional show. I was in it. I had friends. I had the life that I thought that I wanted. And I was existing in this life that I, that from like what I thought I wanted in high school, what I deemed that if I would be existing, living this life as like this person, then I'd be happy. But I wasn't happy. I felt like something was like missing. And I was like, huh, I don't know, like what well, something's wrong, but I don't know what it is. And then I had taken a photo with my two best friends at the time. And I looked at that photo and I just remember thinking, I, I need to lose weight. I need to lose weight. I was convinced that if I were to be existing in a smaller body and look the way that everybody on my Instagram looked at this media that I was consuming, again, such rooted in diet culture, but I didn't know about that at the time. I had little, literally like no awareness of any of these topics. But I thought that if I looked like that, then I would be happy. Thus, I swung to the other side. I decided I'm going to be anorexic. I'm going to restrict for X amount of time. And then once I exist in the body that I deem to be better and I'm happier, then I will stop being anorexic and I will just move on with my life from that. That's not how it worked. Um, Obviously, that's not how it worked. I have a podcast on eating disorder recovery. But in that relationship, I just remember because of the insecurities that I felt within that relationship, which is why it's one of my biggest triggers to want to use behaviors and the insecurities I felt in my life. I'm going to do a side note real quick. Uh, When talking about this and that relationship, I want to make it known that I was in college. I, it was a toxic relationship on both ends. I'm not at all blaming my partner at the time for any of my disorder or anything like that. It was at all a causation. I think that obviously had an impact on my recovery and my disorder and my behaviors, like all my relationships did at the time. But I don't want to make it seem like it was like a direct thing. Do I wish I would have had a different version of support during this time? Yes. But I also know that I was unable to express the support that I wanted. I was unable to let someone in. I wasn't in a place of wanting to recover. I wasn't in a place of not using behaviors and in a place at all where I would be able to, like I said, express what I needed from support wise or even express what was going on in my head. Um, But I have this vivid memory of when I was meeting with my dietitian and she's like, maybe you should bring your partner to come so that he can educate himself some more. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. And I went to ask him, I was like, Hey, I would really like it if you came to this appointment with me so that you could have more of an awareness and understanding about my disorder. And he said, I just want to be your boyfriend. I just want to be your boyfriend. 
And that stuck with me for a long, long time and impacted my recovery, I think, more than I wanted it to. And again, there's no blame. I was an extremely unhealthy person for him like as well. I know that I didn't support him in the ways that he needed. We were so young. Um, but I think because of that comment, it made my relationships within my recovery and th- since then and the way in which I feel my disorder and bringing it into relationship and the burden of it a lot, like more than maybe if I would have initially had support in that at all, like at all. Again, I'm not blaming and I'm sharing a story. I think that was so hard at the time though too because of the fact that he tried to support. I'm not saying that I didn't get any support from my partner at the time, but when you're actively engaged in an eating disorder, you are lying. You are decisive. You, I don't think that's the right word. Manipulate. I'm just going to replace scratch over decisive. I just said you're manipulative. You're manipulative. You are just not showing up as yourself. You're not yourself. I was not myself in that relationship whatsoever. I have so many memories of lying to him about eating meals. I was a mess. I literally like around like food. I we I just it's weird because I think back about that time and that was one of my favorite memories through college or like events surrounding like that time that happened. Like I was in a wonderful show that I still one of my favorite productions I've ever been in. But I just have memories of like at night after rehearsals, we would go to the Jewel Osco. And it's a grocery store in Naperville, if you didn't know, if you're not from around here. But we go to the Jewel Osco and we get like meals after because I just like needed to eat. But it was like, I loved it. And I don't know why my disorder loved it because I feel like I shouldn't have or like why that became like a comfort for me and my disorder. I don't know. I like look back at those times. And I'm like, ah, that's so fond. But then like within the memory of itself, I know that it was so disordered and so just like rough. But it's just impossible. In my mind, it's so hard to be in a relationship with someone. I'm not talking about being in a relationship with someone who's like actively recovering and trying to recover. That's hard in itself and a different thing. And I'll talk about that in a second. But being in a relationship with someone who's actively engaging in the relation- in the eating disorder. The way in which I'm going to title this episode, one of my title thoughts for this episode was the world's worst trouble because it's generally like another person's existing within the relationship. I mean, there are times where I could be myself, but the eating disorder affected everything it was always there especially also when it came to like intimacy like it a one i mean it's kind of obvious it lowers your sex drive completely because of the fact that your body is solely sorry about talking about this too dad hey dad um but your body the energy that it needs to just exist like all of your nutrients is going to those like parts of like your brain and parts of like your body so you're not at all desiring or wanting to do anything and that's was so hard for this relationship because that was something that he like prioritized as well and like wanted to have that level of intimacy and I just couldn't like because the fact that I was in this malnourished state and had this extreme like brain fog and was also handling some traumas in my life that I hadn't even fully accepted or recognized were traumas yet so I was like a mess. I was a mess, a mess when still using active behaviors because I couldn't express any of the things too. And again, that's what's so, it was so hard and nearly impossible. So I personally like, I don't know. And that relationship ended 
when I decided to go to treatment and when I decided to recover, and this had been probably a year and a half post my initial diagnosis. And I remember how distraught I was. And it ended in a similar way to that conversation that I shared previously. I had come off of a weekend of coming down to Chicago to visit said partner. And it was one of the worst weekends of my life. I absolutely had no fun, no joy. I mean, I had fun and joy, but like, it was just terrible. And I had FaceTime's therapy with my therapist. And I was telling her about this. And she was like, Lauren, you need to break up with him and you need to go to treatment. So I called him right after and I was like, I'm going to treatment. I'm going to go to a higher level of care. Can you support me through this? And kind of not to be like, I gave him an out. I was like, can you dedicate this amount of time with it? And he's like, I can't. And I fully respect that because it's so hard, I think, to be someone's partner who is going through it. And if you are someone's partner right now who's in the midst of it, I'm saying thank you on behalf of my like past partners and myself and my disordered self because it's it's challenging enough. And I say this, this is one of my favorite things my dad has ever like said to me in my recovery. And I've said this before, but it's impossible as an outside person to understand what someone who's suffering is going through. And as the suffering person, it can feel impossible to explain that to the outside person, what you're going through. So this is just a public thank you to everyone who is supporting anyone who's going through any sort of recovery right now and who has supported me through it because it can be so confusing. But we'll talk about dating now while in recovery, which also is so hard and so challenging. Again, is the reason why these feelings and thoughts have been like brought up. I dated a lot this past fall. I post my relationship, most recent relationship with the rate restoration. If you have not seen my TikTok about my dating year in review, I thought I was so funny posting that. And not to toot my own horn at all, but my boss from one of my jobs in the city, it popped up on his For You page. And he told me that he liked the video before he knew it was me because he thought it was funny. And I said, eh, that's exactly what I needed to hear for this ego to be stroked a little bit more. Yeah, but um, it was a lot of fun dating in the city and getting to explore that side of myself again while being in a more stable recovery place. But what I also think is funny is always that little like weird kind of having to open up about the eating disorder and choosing to. Again, everybody's journey is different. Everybody's story is different. And you can have your own level of vulnerability that you want to have when letting someone into your recovery because it's, it's a huge thing of like trust. And I'm a person who I'm very, very open about making a disorder. I'm very blunt about it. I'm very, I speak very freely of it. I choose to not really, I don't want to say I don't have boundaries when it comes to making a disorder because I mean, like, obviously I do. But I believe the person like on a first date, like it'll be brought up in conversation. And it's hard though, because a lot of the times when I'm like trying to tell stories or reflect or bring up parts of me, they're tied to my eating disorder or the eating disorder is like a part of them because it's been so prevalent in my life in the past like five years. So I'm like, I don't know how I can explain this or say it without at least alluding to the fact. The majority of the time, because I'll be like, oh yeah, and I graduated college last year, but I took a fifth year. Oh, I did it because of COVID. I just needed to like get some of my mental health like in check. Like I was like alluded to that. But choosing to open up to someone and allowing them to like be let into your recovery is extremely like a huge it's a, it's a big thing because you're that, and trusting some part of your recovery with said person 
So to do that within dating, especially when it's not like a, it's, while you're dating specifically in recovery, even like in, in the beginning stages of recovery, it's even more challenging because like you're in the midst of it. And a lot of the times dates happen around food, around outings, around grabbing drinks. And that can be really uncomfortable when you're a person who struggles with your relationship with food, not to mention you don't know the other person's relationship with food. That's been one of my biggest things too, is having to figure out like your partner's relationships with food. Like I'm, okay, this is not a tangent about my partner right now. I adore him. Boy's got some tummy issues. And that's also been like kind of like a trigger for me too, because I, in the past, I think I ideally was like, I need my partner to have this perfect relationship with food or like if there's any little behaviors that they use or whatever, like I can't, I won't be a part of that. I need someone who has like a full, I don't know, like my most previous partner, the one during the weight restoration. I wish I would have came up with code names in the beginning of this episode, but we're a little bit too late. Um, They had, they, I think the reason why they helped me so much in my recovery too was because they were always down to share a snack. They were, always down to eat whatever I never felt insecure I never felt the amount of a comparison regarding like them and regarding like what we were eating because we were eating either the exact same or he was eating more than me versus in my partner and that was I never asked him to change his relationship with food at all he was just very supportive in that maybe he did and I didn't know that he was had or was changing his relationship or eating differently than outside of his like norm of what he wanted to be eating but my partner now like that's why I don't want to do that I don't want my behaviors I don't want my disorder I don't want my relationship with food to affect anybody else's relationship with food but what's been a challenge recently is because of the fact that my partner does have stomach issues is sometimes he'll eat less than me sometimes we'll eat at different times we'll eat different foods he has to be kind of more rigid about what he can and can't eat because of a medical condition that he literally has. And I don't want to be like, mm, you shouldn't, I'm really uncomfortable that I've eaten. And this is Loki, a conversation we did have, but again, it's a me thing, not a him thing, but being like, I'm really insecure that I've eaten two meals that have been bigger than you for the past couple of days. But I know that I'm eating based off of my own hunger cues and he's eating based off of his own hunger cues, but I'm still, the eating disorder is rooted in comparison and competitiveness and it gets brought up and I hate that. And that's annoying. And that's hard. But that's in recovery. And I know I'm doing the thing that's like right for me. But nonetheless, it's still and this goes back to I think the thoughts that I'm still rooted in my anti fatness and fatphobic thoughts and diet culture that are so hard to break. They're so hard to break. And I don't know. I mean, again, my eating disorder isn't impacting me directly all the time. But it's still there and it's frustrating. And especially it's still there within like new relationships. Again, I feel like I'm hyper aware to people's relationship with food. I'm not as, I don't know, a desire and feeling of a need to be like vocal about it. But I still compare myself so much to what everybody else is eating. I compare myself tasting wise. I compare myself what my meals been made up. I compare myself with what I've eaten like a whole entire day to myself even. I compare myself to the way in which I ate last year at this time. And that's frustrating, but I don't know if that's just like a security issue again, too. Like I've a feeling need to feel secure in what I'm eating is rooted in other people's and their security and their relationship with food. And that means that whatever they're eating, that's where the comparison is rooted in. But I really think that gets brought up when it comes to my relationship with dating within recovery. 
is because I know that I allow dating and allow dates because dates exist around food and I don't want to be one that seems weird about that or have it impact the relationship, especially when going into a new relationship, just being dating. Like I said, I dated a lot in the like fall of this past year and I never wanted my disorder to become prevalent in the relationship again and to become another like partnership in it to be I didn't want to throuple I didn't want to be in a throuple again but I feel like maybe I always will have to be a throuple maybe it will always exist and that kind of sucks because I just really don't want it to like I really don't want it to impact the way in which people exist around me and exist around me specifically with food I mean I want people to be aware I want people to have awareness and a vocabulary and a I don't know, be in the know of how diet culture affects them and how diet culture affects the way that they view other people and just be educated about it. I want that, but I don't want it to be something that's like a component, like a key, key component and something that affects the way in which I exist in the relationship and the way in which my partner exists around me. But also, I feel like it's impossible for not to because it still does affect me. So I guess I just wonder, will it ever not? Will it ever not exist to an extent that it does? Because I bring it up because not, not I bring up, I'm a, like I said, I'm a person very vulnerable and open about my relationship, about my relationship with food and about my disordered past. I'm not ashamed by it by any means. It's not like I'm saying it out of like guilt, but I feel like I'm saying it out of like, hey, heads up. This is like, a part of me that may come out. This is something that like, I, again, I know how to cope through things now. I shared that story earlier about how I no longer need to run around a subway crying about like food anymore. But like I, and I know how to cope through it. So it's almost like, hey, this is a part of me. This is how I may show up sometimes. That's why I share it. But it's like, will I ever feel a desire not to need to share anymore? But do I want to, because of the fact that I, it just doesn't impact me to a point where I feel like it gives me a quirk. Not to say that an eating disorder is a quirk by any means, but I think you get the idea. But will it ever exist where that doesn't, isn't a thing that I need to share? And is it a thing that I feel is an utmost importance to let people in on? But do I want it not to be? Because I love talking about it I love sharing my thoughts and emotions I love having this podcast I love advocating I love chit-chatting about other people's journeys to food freedom and body neutrality so it's like I do I I don't want to lose that but I don't want to keep like perpetuating it and keep like existing amongst it so I guess that's another goal of mine for maybe this next year in my recovery is figuring out how to exist almost not enmeshed and intertwined with an eating disorder and the eating disorder like community, but almost exist parallel to it so that I'm still a part of it and I still feel connected to it. And I still feel like I'm able to bring a voice to people and topics that are not talked about, but also continue to grow outside of my disorder and to grow in a forward momentum and not stay latched and attached to it and maybe and again that's I think also why I've been struggling so much recently to record an episode of the podcast 
because I haven't felt as enmeshed in it and haven't felt as connected to the community. And that sucks. And I hate saying that. And I don't want to lose this connection and this relationship that I have with all of you. And I don't think I have. And maybe it's that I need to start putting more time and energy into continuing to educate myself and to read more books like the one that I'm reading right now and to have more conversations with an array of people from different backgrounds and experiences and stories. And that's like what I want to do is I really want to get more people on the podcast to have it be not so much just one-on-one with me. And I think that goes into my ideas of where the podcast is going to be going this year. Like I really, and I know I say this every single time I get back on, but I really, really, really do want to dedicate time to this because it does bring me so much joy. And again, there's so many new faces. Like there's at least from the Instagram page, I don't know how much of that is correlating to who's going to listen to this new episode in the podcast, but there's so many new faces and Hey, I'm so happy that you're here. And I promise that I'm trying my best to record episodes. And maybe because I am outing this part of my life and I'm kind of re setting boundaries within my recovery and within my platform that it will be different and it will, I'll find a new It'll find a new relationship and I'll find a new relationship with my recovery existing within this mentality that I have right now in with my eating disorder. But I don't know. Episodes may not come every single week. There may be two episodes every week, but it's one of my goals to hit 100 episodes this year. So I'm, I just got some goals this year. That's another one that I thought of recently this week. It kind of tangented away from relationships at the end. But I mean, again, I'm in a relationship with my recovery right now with my eating disorder as well. So it's a big nuanced thing. Um, things I'm going to do to take care of myself today to wrap up the episode is, so I'm not going to lie. I recorded the end of this episode uh, earlier last week. This is me sitting down on um, a Tuesday re-recording it because I just didn't feel like all my thoughts were as flushed out as I wanted them to be. And it wasn't as a cohesive as an episode as I would have liked. So right now, from versus from when I recorded the beginning of the episode, I have now a uh, swollen slash infected um, salivary gland and half of my face is swollen. looks like I got my wisdom teeth taken out on one side of it and it sucks and it's annoying. And I'm like, really just had to do this is right now. It's National Eating Disorder Awareness Week. Happy National Eating Disorder Awareness Week, everybody. Hope you're celebrating and having a great time. Um, I'm kind of bummed that my face is doing this during this week because I feel like it's impacting my mood and desire. But hey. I am fueling myself. I got myself fun foods at the grocery store to eat this week to celebrate my recovery. So I guess the way in which I'm going to nourish myself today is to allow myself to celebrate my recovery and celebrate this past year. And it's specifically because this has been my first year not needing to take a step away from life to really focus on my recovery and to seek a higher level of care, which is super cool. And I'm really, really proud of myself. And again, I'm giving a lot of credit to my relationship that existed for the majority of this year. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so that's what I'm going to take care of myself. It's really nice in Chicago right now. So I'm going to go for a walk outside as well. I'm an avid walker for those of you who do not know. But yeah, so thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, sorry if it was TMI and I just thought dropped a lot about my relationships. But I appreciate you. I'm proud of you. Way to eat that fucking food. I'm excited for the year of 2023. I'm excited for whatever this podcast turns out to be and exists of and continues to grow into whatever it may become. But my DMs are always open. 
if you have any topics you want me to talk about, if you have any people specifically you want me to have on the podcast, please let me know. I, if you just want to chit chat or want to share anything, I love, like I said, love connecting. So yeah, again, way to eat that fucking food. Um, have a great rest of your week. Happy National Eating Disorder Awareness Week. Nourish a flourish baby. Take care of yourself. And I adore all of you. Okay. Bye.